listening to Law and Gospel on this October the 9th in the year of our Lord 2023. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we take a look at lessons for the following Sunday, the 20th Sunday after Pentecost. We're nearing the end of the church year. Soon we'll be starting Advent and another church year. The lessons are from Isaiah 25, Philippians 4, and Matthew 22. We're going to take a look at Matthew chapter 22, beginning with verse 1. And it says, Again, Jesus spoke to them in parables. Now, the word parable needs to be understood. A parable is an extended metaphor or simile. The, the book of Proverbs, as we've been looking at it on Wednesday, is filled with parables that begin with a metaphor and then go to the truth. That is, they'll say something like, a person who cannot be trusted is like snow in the summer and rain at harvest time. Now, that's not easy to understand if you don't know the culture of Palestine during the days of Solomon and of Jesus. There was not snow expected in the summertime. And there was not rain expected during the harvest time because the harvest time was done in the dry season uh, because to pick the fruit and thresh it, it needed to be dry. It, it couldn't be wet. And so if you got snow in the summer, and rain in the harvest time, that was unexpected, and it was difficult, and it was like a person who you did not really want to trust. So a lot of times in the book of Proverbs, they start off with the metaphor and then show the reality. This is what Jesus is doing in parables. Now, some parables are simply metaphors and has nothing have nothing to do with the kingdom of heaven but a lot of them have a lot to do with the kingdom of heaven and what does this parable say listen to verse 2 the kingdom of heaven may be compared now as soon as you read that you're going to get an idea what the kingdom of heaven is like. When Jesus says the kingdom of heaven, he's not talking about heaven after judgment day. He's talking about heaven on earth. The kingdom of heaven on earth is the holy Christian church. So when a person becomes baptized, or hears the word of God and believes the promises of Jesus Christ, 
they enter the Holy Christian Church. Much of the programming done on KFUO talks about the kingdom of heaven on earth. And it's how we are to act as Christians in the life of sanctification. So how is the kingdom of heaven compared? He's compared, Jesus says, to a king who gives a wedding feast for his son. Now, I don't know if you have to read much further before you can kind of figure out the king is referring to God the Father. His son is Jesus Christ. And he's giving a wedding feast. Now, that wedding feast, it will finally occur in heaven in the glories after Judgment Day. But there will be also a partial taste of that feast here on earth in receiving the Lord's Supper. So this is the setup. A king is giving a wedding feast for his son and sent his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding feast, but they would not come. Now, if the kingdom of heaven is the church on earth, who are the servants sent to invite the guests? I would say it is members of the church, particularly pastors. You can talk to any pastor, and he will tell you of the countless times that he visited individuals or spoke to them about coming to church believing in Jesus Christ, etc., and they would not come. I did many a person in adult instruction, and occasionally, even after hearing two or three lessons, they would not return to hear the other 12 lessons for adult instruction. They would not come. So this is kind of common in the church. So again, he sent other servants saying, tell those who are invited, see, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Come to the wedding feast. Now, here you need to know a little bit again, about Palestinian dinners. When you would have a dinner, like for a wedding, they did not have big refrigerators or ways to keep the food warm. So things would be slaughtered ahead of time. Let's say you invited 100 people. You would slaughter sufficient animals and boil or cook enough vegetables so it would feed a hundred people. And that's what the king is telling these people. I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and my fat calves have been slaughtered and everything is ready. Now, what does that mean in the kingdom of heaven? Well, how did Jesus prepare 
for the coming of people into the Holy Christian Church. He prepared them by the slaughtering of his son on the cross. Jesus died on the cross. And remember, he even says from the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. So the word that invites people into the kingdom of heaven is already now being said by members of the church who are God's servants. So come to the wedding feast. These people are again reminded of it, but they paid no attention and went off, one to his farm, another to his business, while the rest seized his servants and treated them shamefully and killed them. That reminds us of last week's parable where Jesus was saying the kingdom of heaven is like a king or a farmer who made a great farm and he put in the choicest vines, etc., etc. And when the time of the fruit came, the king who was in another country, that would be God the Father in heaven, well, he sent his messengers, that would be the pastors, to get the fruit, which would be the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And they shamefully treated the servants he, he sent, including killing them. He did that a second time. And guess what? They killed the servants again. So then he sent his son. Well, they would take better care of him. But when they saw the son, they said, hey, he's the one who owns the farm. He's the heir. Let's kill him and then it'll be our farm. And that's what they did. They crucified Jesus. And then the parable goes on saying that the farmer would bring justice against those who killed his son and they would go to hell. So this is very similar parable, only this time he's inviting them to a wedding feast and they treated shamefully and killed his servants. The king was angry and he sent his troops and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Now, what is that talking about? We know that on judgment day, the earth will be burned and a new heaven and earth will become created, which will be our place in heaven forever and ever and ever with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, what does the king say? When those that he invited and said they were coming, which meant that the animals were slaughtered to feed them all, the king got angry. He said, 
the wedding feast is ready. But those invited were not worthy. Now, what does that mean in the kingdom of heaven? If God invites everybody in the world, how does one become worthy? Well, if you look at every other religion in the world, you come, become worthy by doing good works. And God is pleased with those good works. Well, guess what? That's not Christianity. Because no good work can offset your sins. It can't trump your disobedience. There's nothing you can give God to equal out your sins and make you worthy. It may work in business, etc., where people will get advancements because they do a really good job, whether they're a Christian or not. But in the Holy Christian Church, becoming worthy means that you are justified. And how do you get justified? What do you have to do? You don't have to do anything. God has invited you into his church by telling you about the death of his son. And if you believe the promises of the son, you are worthy. That faith comes from the Holy Spirit. And when he gives you that faith and you reject it, then you will not come to the wedding feast. But if you recognize that faith as the greatest good news that you've ever heard, you're really excited to come to the wedding feast. So what does the king do? He's got all this food ready, and the people that were originally invited have all said, no, we're not coming. And they give ridiculous answers. One says, well, I have to work on the farm. Another, my business. So they put the world's items prior to the church's items. Now, occasionally, that does happen. For example, a farmer, there may be certain times in the week when it's best to seed the ground or to harvest the crops. And so sometimes farmers won't be there on a Sunday morning. But it's not because they are against the church, but that takes them away. Uh, one sad thing that's happening in schools is that they're having sports on Sunday mornings. So if your son or daughter is, say, on a basketball team or a volleyball team, they won't be at church that Sunday. Or they're on vacation. But when we went on vacation, we were near a great lake, and Dad would take us down to the seashore on a Sunday morning and have a worship service. We may have sung a hymn, uh, heard a Bible story, had some prayers. So that was to make up for not being able to attend church that was far away from our vacation site. But these people have given lame excuses that are not appropriate. 
and they don't come to the wedding feast. They do not have proper faith, and therefore they are unworthy. So what does the king say? Go, therefore, to the main roads and invite to the wedding feast as many as you find. Wow. In other words, this is the message of the church. You just go out onto any road, in any city, any street. We would do that a lot of times at the church I was pastoring for 28 years on Thursday nights. We would take seminarians and members of the congregation and go visit people in their homes. Uh, we had a file they would look at. There were pictures. And then we would invite them to adult instruction class. So that's going to the main roads and inviting to the wedding as many as you find. And those servants went out into the roads and gathered all whom they found, both bad and good. So the wedding hall was filled with guests. If that doesn't remind you of the kingdom of heaven when Jesus was on earth, I don't know what does. What does it mean that in the kingdom of heaven were bad and good? Bad and good from the point of view of other human beings. Remember what the Pharisees said when Jesus would meet and eat with tax collectors? They hated tax collectors because they were Jews hired by the Romans to collect taxes. And of course, the leaders in Judaism thought that was terrible and considered them sinners. Also, Jesus would sit down with prostitutes and bring them to faith. They would leave that particular vocation and proclaim Jesus as Savior. So in the kingdom of Jesus, there were bad and good. One can even look at the disciples. Sometimes they were very good because they also went out and preached. But other times they were bad when they did not want the children to be bothering Jesus or a woman whose daughter had a false divinity within her, a demon. No, send her away. So at times, the disciples were bad, but they were still members of the Holy Christian Church. Only one of them lost his faith, betrayed Jesus, and after that betrayal committed suicide, Judas. So, the wedding hall is filled with guests. Now, when you take a look at a church, how does a pastor decide who gets the Lord's Supper? He decides by having taken the person through adult confirmation, 
and then the person confesses Jesus as his Savior because the Holy Spirit gives him faith to do so. Now, the pastor has no idea whether that is true or not, but we assume it to be true by the confession, and therefore they receive the Lord's Supper. But if it is not true, as in the case of Judas, who also, it seemed, received the Lord's Supper, what does that mean? Verse 11, but when the king came in to look at the guests, he saw there a man who had no wedding garment. Now, have you ever been to a wedding at the reception, at least when my son and daughter got married? Everyone was well-dressed. There were beautiful dresses on the women, suits on the men, etc. But can you imagine that somebody walked in who had torn clothes on and did not look like a guest? Well, the king recognized him. He did not have a wedding garment on. What does that mean in the Holy Christian Church? It means the white garment that God places on all believers when they come to faith in Jesus Christ. Right now, from God's point of view, you are wearing that white garment. That, that's why occasionally in an infant baptism, a white garment is shown to be that of the infants. But God the Father, how does he know that this person is unworthy? Because God can read hearts better than you can. He recognizes your motivation. And so here he sees a man who is not justified he does not have a wedding garment. And he said to him, friend, how did you get in here without a wedding garment? And the next verse, and he was speechless. Unbelievers can't talk before God Almighty. They don't pray to him. They don't thank him. They don't glorify him. They don't worship him. Unbelievers are speechless. And so therefore, the king says to the attendants, bind him hand and foot and cast him unto the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Well, what's that talking about? That's talking about on the day of judgment. You either go to the bright light of heaven and live eternally, or you go to the darkness of hell and live eternally. And that's because you rejected the justification that God wanted to give you. Verse 14, 
for many are called, but few are chosen. This is a very important verse because it indicates that we are not saved by what we are doing. We do not choose heaven. Heaven is chosen for us. Now, when I look at my life and see a great life of sin in many things, I can't figure out why God chose me, but he did. And as ministers go out and share the message of Jesus Christ with all others, we are many times surprised that they come to faith and we cannot figure it out. Because some of the people who came to faith and joined the church were almost criminals. In fact, some were criminals. I have attended prisons, both state and federal, and spoken the word of God. And there are people there who have reacted in thanking me for giving them a message that they had never really heard or understood, and they have come to faith. And they're in prison for robbery or murder or whatever. They will be in heaven like the apostle Paul when he murdered Christians when he was Saul. He came to faith, brought to him by the gift of the Holy Spirit and the words of Jesus when he fell off that horse. He was baptized and became apostle to the Gentile. So a parable is really critical to understand. And we pray that pastors will be explaining this parable because it is a comparison to the kingdom of God here on earth, which is the Holy Christian Church. Thanks for listening. And on tomorrow's broadcast, we'll take a look at the hymn, A Multitude Comes from the East and the West. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your checkout to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.